Well, good morning, church family. It's good to see you all here this morning. You guys were worshiping here today. That was awesome. Yeah, that was really good. If you're a guest here today, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And uh, welcome. Uh, Welcome to all of our friends and family online. Uh, This uh, series looks a little different um, than our normal teaching series. And so um, there's going to be moments where people are reading um, and there's going to be uh, lighting of the candle here because we're, we're celebrating Advent. We're this uh, build up to celebrating Jesus's birth. And so we've talked about hope and peace and today will be about joy. But I just want to kind of prime the pump here, so to speak, that there's going to be moments of silence. Um, I know that it's going to be challenging in a room this size with this many people But a really churchy way to say it is, I hope that you will be in your prayer closet in a sense. That even though you're in your chair and there's people around you, uh, my hope and intent today is that during our times together, um, that you're just gonna have an encounter with Holy Spirit, the presence of God here today. And so there's gonna be times where there's some scripture that's read, there's gonna be some questions that are asked, and there's gonna be times of reflection. And I get that sometimes in reflection, it can be scary or uncomfortable. And as Pastor Josh said last week and tried to encourage us, like, let's try to embrace that uncomfortableness just for a little bit. I promise we won't stay there the whole time. But there's gonna be moments of reflection and I hope by the time that we leave here today that there's a shift that happens in our mindset here today when we part ways. That's, that's my hope here today. So I just kind of want to uh, let you guys know uh, what's happening. I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite God here, his presence. It's already here. Amen. Uh, but that we would be aware of his presence here today. So Father God, thank you so much for all my church family who are here. We just ask in the name of Jesus that you would allow us to be present here and now in this moment of time. That we could hear uh, not a really awesome band who leads us well or to hear Brandon, but that we would hear the creator of the universe speak to our heart of hearts here today. So Holy Spirit, would you just minister to each one of us? And then, Lord, even for my friends who may not be in a relationship with you yet, I just pray that you would do a tugging on their hearts as well here today. And that it would just be undeniable that there was a moment in our lives that was marked by you and your holy presence. So, Spirit, would you invade our minds and our hearts? Would you reveal yourself in a very real and tangible way here today? And we ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. The joy candle represents delight in Jesus' birth and salvation. We light the joy candle to celebrate Jesus' first coming and look forward to his second coming. The eternal Son of God entered the world and came near to us. His arrival fulfilled the Lord's covenant commitment to his people because Jesus was the Savior. He rescued us from our sinful nature and restored our relationship with God the Father. 
He healed us from the curse of disobedience and gave us a new identity. Soon, Jesus will descend from heaven again to completely destroy the power of evil and establish his eternal kingdom on earth. This good news brings us true joy, not the temporary happiness that worldly indulgences offer. As we look at scripture in Psalm 100, it says, Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his, his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his faithfulness, his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 5, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Biblical joy is more than an attitude that varies with circumstances. Instead, it is a confident cheer in Jesus' presence. Scripture echoes this sentiment in examples throughout redemptive history. In the Old Testament, we see the Israelites rejoice in God's favor in the midst of wandering and trials. In the New Testament, we see the Apostle Paul call believers to rejoice in the Lord's grace when he was imprisoned. These examples show how being rooted in God's promises affects our disposition in any situation. This Advent season made joy in the Savior's glory and our future glory through him capture us as we light the candle. Let us enter into this joy with glad hearts. Let's pray. Dear Father, you are the God of joy. Your happiness is everlasting, and you desire to delight in us. We confess that we have not found satisfaction in you. We have rejected your cheerful invitation to experience bliss in your presence. We prioritize busyness, social life, and work over you, Lord. And we come to you dissatisfied. Holy Spirit, we thank you for drawing us back and reminding us of Christ's fulfillment. We are grateful for Jesus' forgiveness and his consistent companionship. Help us experience joy and intimacy with you, We want to be people who rejoice in our salvation and in our destiny with Christ. We plead for the Holy Spirit to give us this elation for all circumstances. When we grieve the world's brokenness, help us hold both the pain and the joy in tension.
may we know that our sorrow is not in vain, but it will lead us to praise. Amen. Amen. So as we continue our Advent time here, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the first week's theme was hope, last week was peace, and this week is joy. But this candle that we just lit here today is also known as the shepherd's candle, and we'll find out the reason why right now. Luke chapter 2, 8 through 20 says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the God shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to the God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angel had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Thank you, Gibson. Amen. Yeah, that is God's word. So today, when we look at this idea of joy, we're going to look at it through a biblical lens. So here's the lens that we'll be looking through is that it's closely related to gladness and happiness, although joy is more of a state of being than an emotion. It's a result of a choice. And it's one of the fruits of the Spirit you can find in Galatians. But having joy is part of the experience of just being a Christian. Like that's something that we get to experience. And so the Bible was broken up into two major parts, and we would call that the, the Older Testament and the Newer Testament. And, and the Older Testament is all the way from creation prior to Jesus, and the Newer Testament is from the life of Jesus moving forward. So when we look at this biblical view of joy, we have to understand, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Ryan mentioned like the God's chosen people, the Israelites, the, the Hebrew people, They were oppressed by Pharaoh in Egypt and God raised up Moses and freed the people. So they they had this huge oppression and they, they wandered the desert for 40 years. But yet they would write songs like this in Psalms 105. It says, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Proclaim his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell all about his wondrous works. Boast in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face always. So they would write songs as they're wandering the desert. 
It's bleak. There's nothing there. There's hardly any life. And they're wandering around, and yet they would sing songs like this. But is that far from maybe the way that some of us feel right now, that we're wandering in a desert? It feels desolate in our life. We're, we're, we're coming up on Christmas, but everything just feels dead on the inside of us. Are you wandering in the desert? Because I think God's chosen people, their attitude or their perspective on things is what attributed to their joy. The praise-filled assurance that God is in control and, you're, and he's working everything out for our good and also for his glory. And see, that's the attitude and the perspective that God's people had. So as we go into this question, are you wandering in the desert? And we have to wrestle with this idea of control. Because there could be a multitude of reasons uh, that we're in the desert. Like we don't have time to unpack all of that here today, but there could be a multitude of reasons why it seems like you're in the desert. But the way to our promised land is not always easy. In fact, it rarely is. But man, it's totally worth it. So if God's in control and that has a factor on our joy, what are you trying to control? Just sit and meditate on that question. Another way to ask the question would be, what do you need to let go of? It's hard to take a hold of something from God if you're holding on to something that you need to let go of. The psalmist, right, in Psalms 55, it says, cast your burden on the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. It's okay for us to cast things, to give things back over to God. Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, I can relate to him a lot because he has these moments where he just has to put his foot in his mouth sometimes. But he penned these words, which I, I think are wonderful. He said in 1 Peter 5, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time, at the proper kairos, this moment where God is trying to break into your life and he's trying to reveal something to you. He says, humble yourself, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. And so just in these moments, what do you need to cast over to Jesus? And maybe this humbling yourself, at any point, if you need to come down and use the kneelers, please feel comfortable to be able to do that. And if you're in the middle, just say, excuse me. But if you need to humble yourself, please feel 
comfortable to be able to do that. Maybe you just literally need to get on your knees and just use your chair as an altar in these moments. But what does it look like for you to humble yourself and to cast whatever is going in your mind right now over to Jesus? Jesus knew what was going to happen to him. And he was having a meeting with his disciples. And in John chapter 16, he says, truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. And I would imagine in that moment, they had no idea what was happening. The sorrow and the pain and the grief that they were going to experience. And maybe sometimes we feel like that. It feels like everybody around us, everything is going really well. But inside, we just, we have so much grief or pain or sorrow that is happening. And we just feel so isolated from the entire world. Do you simply just need to weep and mourn? And maybe it wasn't modeled well for you. Maybe you were brought up in a way that you were just supposed to suppress all of those feelings. That you weren't allowed to express that mourning or that sorrow. So in these moments, do you just need to weep and to mourn? The loss of a loved one. That broken relationship. Those words that were spoken over you. It is okay to weep and to mourn. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. If you are broken, he is close to you now.
It's okay. Jesus knew that the disciples were going to struggle with sorrow, mourning, and grief. And as the beautiful teacher that Jesus is, he gives this word picture to help. John 16, 20 says, when a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. And I also realize that maybe just me reading that has brought pain to someone. And I'm sorry. But please don't miss what Jesus is trying to share here. I was so blessed to to be present with all of my children being born. I have no idea the excruciating pain that a mother goes through, even with modern medicine. But when you hold that baby for the first time, it's almost like we have amnesia to the pain because of the joy that we have that we're holding. And that's the point that Jesus is trying to make. We're gonna experience things, but the joy on the other side of it. Jesus continued, he says, so you also have sorrow now but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. They didn't understand in that moment that Jesus is going to return. They didn't understand the punishment, the torture, him being nailed to a cross. They didn't understand all of that in that moment. And they really didn't understand that Jesus was going to come back. He says, look, you're going to have sorrow. And many of us, we're experiencing sorrow. But guess what? The ink is dry on the pages. We know that Jesus is going to return. Amen? Jesus continues. He says, in that day, you will not ask me anything. Truly, I tell you, anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. What do you need to ask for? Not a want or desire, but what is a need that you need to ask for in the name of Jesus? Lord, you hear each one of our prayers right now in this moment. Would you meet us in a very real and tangible way with all of those prayers? In Jesus' name we pray. James, the half-brother of Jesus, who you could argue probably questioned Jesus being the Messiah until after the resurrection, penned these words the church we get to, to wrestle with here today. He says, consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you experience various trials, and that seems so upside down, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance 
have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. When we follow Jesus, it was never meant to be rainbows and unicorns. We are going to experience difficult things. We're, we're going to mourn, we're going to grief. There are going to be trials and potentially testings that are in our life. But if you can, pretend for me for a moment. Look into the rear view mirror of your life and think about the various trials or maybe testings that you've had in your life. Just begin to hit that replay button. And maybe for some of you right now, you are right in the middle of it. And I want to acknowledge that. But if you could, just, just look back at other moments in your past, in these trials, these testings, moments of grief. And when you look back on those moments, how have you seen God? Just begin to play back some of those, those difficult moments but how did you see God in those moments? How did you see God restore that relationship? How did you see God give you the strength to forgive that other person? How did you see God give you freedom? How did you see God give you the words in that really challenging moment, in that conversation? You had no idea what to say, but he showed up. See, I think it's good to remember the goodness of God. I think it's good to reflect on moments where he met us in very real and tangible ways. And it was difficult in those moments. And we, we weren't sure that we we're gonna be able to do it, but through God, we were able to build that, uh, those spiritual muscles. We were able to get that endurance through that trial, through that testing, through that sorrow, through that mourning. Because we have hope. And because of the hope that we have, we have peace. We have shalom. But because we have hope and peace, we also have joy. We have hope that Jesus is going to return again. He's gonna make everything right just the way it was in the garden again. And because of that, we can have peace in all sorts of circumstances. 
And because of that, we can have joy that's not tied to any emotions. Once again, Peter, I love these words that he penned to the church. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, we, he has given us new birth. We are a new creation. We're not the old way. We're a new way. We're a new creation into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. You can't take away that hope. And it's kept in heaven for you and for me. And someday, Jesus, he's going to bring that back for us. Now, you are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation. Jesus came because of our sin. He came so that we can have a relationship with a good, good father. And that it's ready to be revealed in the last Kairos. Jesus is coming again and he's really gonna reveal himself in that last time. And so because of that, we rejoice in this. Even though for a short time it's necessary you suffer grief and various trials, we can still have joy. We can still rejoice so that the proven character of your faith more valuable than gold, which, though it's perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, Peter was able to write these words because he saw Jesus. He spent life with Jesus. We don't have that experience. We've put our faith and trust that Jesus came, lived, died, conquered the grave. And that he sent his Holy Spirit to empower us, to give us freedom. See, we haven't seen him, but we love him. Though not seeing him, now you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Yeah. See, the joy that Jesus' arrival represents isn't conditional or fleeting. It's enduring. It's unshakable. There's nothing that this world can throw at us. We have unshakable joy in our salvation with Jesus. Remember, joy is more of a state of being. It's something that we get to experience as followers of Christ. But we have to choose it. We have to choose joy because we can choose to focus on these things that are happening around us or we can choose to focus on Jesus and his return. So are you choosing joy? Are you going to choose joy as we begin to celebrate Jesus being born? I think if we choose joy, joy brings a heart of gratitude. I think when we begin to not focus on these things that are happening, even though they're very real, 
but we begin to focus on the joy because of the hope and the peace that we have because of Jesus, we can't help but to have a well, a heart that's a well just filled with gratitude and thanksgiving. So friends, would you stand with me as we begin to try to mumble the words gratitude through song? And at any point, if you need to come down and kneel, if there was something that was stirred inside of your heart, don't, don't miss this moment. And I wanna encourage the prayer team partners to come down to the corners. If there's something that you, maybe you just need to rejoice. Maybe you need to understand that God is good. And I've been so focused on this thing, I just wanna give God all the praise. Come share that praise with the prayer team. I can see the lyrics on the screens and all my words fall short. And maybe that's just where you're at right now is like, I don't even have words for the gratitude that I have for you, Jesus. And that's okay. Allow the the worship team to just minister to you in these moments. But if you need to move, move. Let's just have a heart so full of joy that we just praise out our gratitude here today.